Welcome to Intuitive Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Ackerman, the Intuitive RD. I'm a non-diet registered dietitian and intuitive eating coach. My mission is to help women recover from diet culture and heal their relationship to food and body. Follow along as I speak with leading professionals in the field and explore concepts of intuitive eating, health at every size, and body liberation. Hey guys, welcome to episode 44 of Intuitive Bites. For the show this week, I'm chatting with Danielle Galvin, who you might know from Instagram as I am Danny Adriana. And we are talking about a recent post series that she had on her page called Fat and Eating. And essentially what this was, was a series of pictures of her as someone in a larger body eating food. Um, And she did choose foods that, you know, may be marked as quote unquote unhealthy by diet culture. Um, And the purpose was to kind of neutralize this and, you know, just show someone in a larger body being joyful, eating food that they like. Um, And we talked a lot in this episode about what her intention was with this series and you know we talked about the stigma and the stereotypes around being in a larger body and eating food in public and how that impacts people and their behavior and therefore their health so it's a really really interesting conversation i'm excited to share it with you guys before i go ahead and get onto my conversation with danny i wanted to let you guys know that i still have some diet culture is a liar stickers available so if you would like some uh, some stickers, they're $5 each. You can order them by going to the link in my bio and you just click on it, submit your name and how many stickers you want and I'll get you all sorted out with that. So definitely let me know if you want a sticker. And then the other thing I wanted to let you know is if you happen to be a health professional listening to this podcast, I am releasing uh, a basically intuitive eating and health at every size course for health professionals and it's coming out august 18th so if you are interested in getting your hands on that um you can also click the link in my bio and easily pre-order that and you'll get ten dollars off if you do the pre-order as opposed to waiting to once it's released Um, so definitely check that out if you are interested all right guys let's go ahead and listen into my conversation with danny all right, Danny. So I am so excited you're here, and I would love for you to take a minute to introduce yourself and a little bit, a little bit about what you do, and um, yeah, just more about the work that you're into. Sure. Um, thanks for having me. Uh, my name's Danny Adriano, or Danny Galvin is my real last name. Um, I run the Instagram account I am Danny Adriana, which also has like my own website and YouTube. Um, but basically, I'm a fat activist and um, body positive influencer. I suppose. I guess that would be my catch-all name Um, but I kind of do work online in peer support roles and um, activism around larger bodied people's experiences. Awesome yeah yeah and I'm curious to ask you too like how long have you been running your Instagram or like really been into this work? Sure so probably since um, 
I started my Instagram in 2013, so that was six years ago now. Um, and my activism type sort of information and work that I do probably started maybe two or three years ago. Um, for the first three years I had an account, it was very much more focused on like eating disorder recovery um, and mental health um, and body positivity. And then as my account grew and I grew as a person, I kind of found things like fat activism and the fat liberation movement um, and those things felt really safe and comfortable for me um, in a way that I felt accepted in those communities because I am a larger body person that identifies as fat. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my journey to where I am today. Cool. That's really interesting. I, I love hearing about kind of the ways that the path that everyone has taken. And um, yeah, for myself, I mean, as a dietitian, like I feel like I, um, I don't know, I like, kind of got, you know, deep into the work with nutrition and dietetics and um, always kind of felt like uncomfortable in it. And then like, kind of honestly, what happened is I fell upon intuitive eating and I was like, oh, like this sounds amazing. Like this totally resonates. And, but like the crazy part is like all the doors that that opened from there. It's like a gateway to like mm -hmm, all exactly. so many more things to learn. So it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would love to ask you, I know not too long ago, maybe a month or two ago, um, you had been doing, you've been doing some series, um, and you did one called like fat and eating. And I'm just curious to ask you like, um, first, like what made you like, what inspired you to make that a series? And like, what were your kind of thoughts behind that? Um, I think that in general, um, larger bodied people experience discrimination around food in a way that, um, is kind of dehumanizing <laughs> and for a long time as someone who has existed in a larger body and had an eating disorder and has had her own personal journey with food and um, intuitive eating and recovery um, I kind of wanted to do that series because I see a lot of social media imagery around thin women eating yeah. um, and it's always um either like an influencer who's really quite thin and people are like so happy that she's thin and eating a burger because like she's a cool girl and she eats real food. She's a real woman, whatever the hell that means. Um, or alternatively, you see like a lot of nutrition and dietitian wellness kind of accounts um, talking about food and posting their food, however they're in thin bodies. Um, and the response that they get usually is overwhelmingly positive yeah. um and seen as like a really niche cool thing to do um and sometimes even for some nutritionists sort of intuitive eating pages it's kind of seen as like radical right that they're eating food and enjoying food and like not on a diet mm -hmm. um however for larger body people um it's a completely different experience so the reason i wanted to do the fat and eating series was just to kind of draw attention to the fact that um what fat people eat is allowed to be enjoyable it's allowed to be quote unquote unhealthy it's allowed to be whatever you want to eat to fuel your body that feels good to you um and that the discrimination faced um with those eating in a larger body is just to kind of make it seem not make it seem but make it prevalent in terms of how awful it is for larger body people to be online um and showing what they eat but then again not only that but being in public and eating um 
a lot of larger body people really fear eating in public or around people that they don't know because of the judgment they've received, whether that be looks, whether that be comments um, or other types of discrimination that they've faced in the past. So I kind of just wanted to bring more attention to seeing and also just the visual representation of seeing a larger body person eating food um, was important to me. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So amazing. You know, I, I thought of like a lot of things while you were, <laughs> you were talking, but I'm thinking about how, like, um, I've just seen like movies and stuff like that where like, there's like, it, it's almost like there's like a thin person, like eating something that's quote unquote unhealthy or like junk food or whatever. And like, like you had said, like, it's like praise, like, it's like, Oh my gosh, like they're, mm-hmm. yeah, they're like doing this awesome thing. Like they're so cool. They're so awesome. And it's like almost like too, like if they're eating, like, like if they're dieting or whatever it's kind of like I don't know it's like not necessarily as cool but then um like if there's a larger body person eating you know junk food that's portrayed that's seen very differently like all of a sudden that yeah. is um, 100% I think a great example of that I'm not sure if you've watched the show before but if you've ever been like a Gilmore Girls fan oh yeah I have but yeah, I'm so like yeah, so, like, Rory and Lorelai Gilmore are, like, my perfect example when it comes to pop culture with that mm. because, like, they're always, um, like, their whole mother-daughter relationship in terms of, like, how they relate to each other and they watch movies is all around food, right? Mm. Um, and it kind of becomes, like, a running joke, like, oh, my God, where do they put it? Like, how can you eat so much? Mm. And it's almost seen as, like, this, like, really glamorized portrayal of them eating heaps and heaps of food and kind of gorging themselves constantly which is fine and I think that's awesome because everybody should be able to enjoy food um but it's kind of seen as like oh isn't that so quaint and cute because they're so tiny and beautiful um and it's kind of really weird to me that if you're a thin person it's like celebrated it's seen as like a little quirk that you oh my god you eat junk food and you're like you're so tiny um but if you're a larger body person even if you're eating something that's quite unquote unhealthy um the kind of abuse you get is like ridiculous yeah yeah and you know I like what you were talking about too about how like I, I was reading your post and you know you kind of like maybe purposely like we're showing images of foods that are not necessarily healthy and whatever. And I think that's, I've noticed and I've, you know, yeah, I've heard a lot that like a lot of the content sometimes even in the intuitive eating and health at every size space can, you know, really surround this idea that like, you know, people can be like healthy at a range of sizes and like, you know, fat people aren't necessarily eating these unhealthy foods or whatever, but like that can kind of, make it seem as though it's not okay if they are eating unhealthy. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> there's, there's kind of this like extra rule of being like, you have to be a good fatty, which it yeah. to me means like, you have to be like working out and exercising and like eating salads and like, it's okay if you're fat, but as long as you're still trying to emulate those behaviors. And to me, that's a really distorted way to look at food and exercise and health. Um, and our obsession with wellness and hashtag clean eating is like, as someone who comes from an eating disorder background, I perhaps am more affected by it than someone who isn't someone who has yeah. experienced that. But I just find it so problematic on so many different levels and how like toxic it does play into diet culture and our worthiness um, that I'm just like not really here for it. I'm not really here for people saying, well, it's okay if you're fat as long as you're quote unquote unhealthy because we don't really even know what real health is because our paradigm of health and the way we look at health is so skewed and thin and whitewashed and like centered around basically white dudes Mm -hmm. (laughs) that 
that our health paradigm doesn't explain what healthy actually is. So this idea that fat people have to be quote unquote unhealthy is just like something that I think is super unattainable and not really clarified. Like it, our idea of what healthy is, like what is health? Health is so different right. to every individual person. So um, I find it problematic from the core that if you're a fat person and you're like, oh, I'm going to post, I mean, not as an individual level, but if we're just talking about fat people and we're like, oh, around their food and we're, we're celebrating that they eat healthy, well, we really need to need to look at what healthy means um, yeah. because fat people have the right to enjoy whatever food they want, just like thin people do, um, and that it doesn't actually change your worthiness if you're eating foods that are quote unquote bad for you though I don't really subscribe to that paradigm so it's kind of hard for me to I know people see those photos as me eating quote unquote unhealthy foods Mm -hmm. um but for me it's like I'm fueling my body and eating stuff that makes me feel good do I eat that one food all the time no I have a really varied fun diet where I intuitively eat but I think it's important sometimes to see imagery of fat people eating junk food in a celebratory healthy self-defined way that isn't like these cut shots of media when you see like on the news of like large body people walking around malls holding sodas in their hands with their heads cut off like yeah it's just it's it's kind of important for me to push the boundary a little bit in terms of like I get to put out what I want to put out and I'm not gonna kind of put myself in a box (laughs) yeah yeah, and I love the way that, too, like, we were talking about how, like, we, you know, I, I, it really doesn't sit well with me, like, identifying any food as, like, oh, that is an unhealthy food, that is a healthy food, um, because, like, you're saying, like, health is so dynamic, and I think that, like, the way that, like, I don't know, Western culture has, like, viewed health is so, so narrow, so, like, you know, the most nutrient-dense and, like, the most exercise possible, and, like, that's the end of the discussion, like, that, and, and mm-hmm. of course, Um, yeah. So, I mean, like, it's not as though like one food is going to make you healthy or unhealthy. And also it's not that like anyone owes their health to anyone to like deserve respect and to be accepted and all the things. Exactly. And like, for me, food comes under such a bigger conversation around like wealth and poverty and access. And there's so many more factors in terms of like what, why people are eating what they're eating, why they choose to eat what they eat that are cultural and, um, socio- um, economical there's so many variants that to say like oh everyone should just eat kale is like <laughs> it's just nuts to me like why yeah totally totally um this is kind of a detour but I'm curious to ask you um about like um because you shared that you you know went through eating disorder recovery like what do you see is like the I don't know I mean obviously there's a lot of differences but m- my question is essentially like what is it like recovering as somebody in a larger body compared to someone that's in a smaller body? Um, it's completely different. Yeah. (laughs) Um, it's, it's really hard sometimes for me to step into the eating disorder community and feel like I'm at home because from the get go, I've had people in that community tell me that my eating disorder isn't validated um it's problematic kind of in a multifaceted way right so like the way we diagnose and like from us like a psychology uh psychiatric point of mental illness the way we diagnose eating disorders is already skewed towards uh weight bias because of the bmi restrictions around diagnosis 
um, which I have a major issue with in general because I think it not only does it make larger bodied people completely left out of the conversation and unable to receive help, um, but it actually harms everybody that has an eating disorder, um, regardless of what size you are, because it means you need to fit into a certain paradigm to receive help, which I think is super messed up. Um, It'd be as crazy as saying like, oh, you can only get help for depression if you wear like a red shirt to the doctor the day that you say that you have depression. Like, it's just so, it's like, it doesn't make any sense. Right. so that's kind of from like the diagnosis point, that's like obviously really problematic, but that kind of feeds on into not only how medical professionals and um, mental health professionals treat larger body people, but it also is kind of how our society deems what an eating disorder is, what an eating disorder looks like. Um, if you ask people who don't really have much relationship with eating disorders, at the forefront, um, they probably think it's like a white, thin teenage girl, right? That's yeah. that's what the idea of an eating disorder sufferer is, someone super emaciated um, and really thin. But the fact is, is that eating disorders affect a wide range of people from all cultural, racial, um, socioeconomic backgrounds and ages. Um, and the problem with what larger body people face compared to thinner body people really comes down to thin privilege and the way we view weight. So what really frustrates me is what we kind of diagnose as an eating disorder in a really emaciated person is what we tell fat people to do to lose weight. Um, So we kind of give them an eating disorder paradigm to lose weight, which weight loss is not successful. Studies have shown time and time again that people will regain weight and will fluctuate at their set point weight and that weight loss long-term is not achievable, right? Mm. So we kind of automatically put larger body people in a eating disorder, I would not say headspace, but I would say behavioral context. And then we expect them to not only maintain weight loss, but also have a really, once they are quote unquote healthy, have a healthy relationship with food. Um, for larger body people who have eating disorders, it's seen as a diet. And for thinner people who have eating disorders, it's seen as a mental illness. Um, I ideally, in the perfect world, would love to take away like any weight categorizing for eating disorders. Yeah. Um, however, I think that if we actually looked at how many people have eating disorders when you're not looking at just um, weight statistics um, or weight behaviors... Um, it would be frightening to see how many people have disordered eating in our society. Um, and I think it's a problem that is sparked by so many issues. But for larger body people, could you get back to your question? Yeah. For larger body people in terms of recovery, um, it's kind of twofold. You either find a mental health professional or a doctor who believes you, which is really difficult um, and really dehumanizing and really, I mean, the amount of people I saw to quote unquote get help before I actually received help was disastrous. And I, if I, I know there's people out there who may go to one doctor and have such a traumatic experience with that, that they never receive help again. Um, And I think what we forget to focus on is that with eating disorders, the largest cause of death from an eating disorder is suicide, right? And you can be any size and commit suicide. Or have, or have suicidal ideation. So I think the idea that we're focusing on the only people that are really sick are those who are emaciated or thin or underweight, quote unquote underweight, whatever that means, yeah. um, 
So larger bodied people, we're not even part of, I don't even feel like we're part of the conversation yet, unless you're talking about binge eating, right? Because people look at fat people and think, oh yeah, they binge eat. They just don't know how to stop eating. They're just like eating, 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 eating. But it's actually not true. Um, I think the biggest heartbreak for me when it looks at, when I look at my community who have suffered with eating disorders in larger bodies is that like part of the trauma of the disorder is not even just having a mental illness that literally destroys your life from the inside out, but it's literally being like devalued and not validated every step of the way. Um, and that's from people around you to medical professionals to the way we view eating disorders to society and then like literally struggling to be able to survive and then having people tell you, oh, yeah, but like you should stop eating. You're doing the right thing. Um, it's just such a like messed up paradigm. And I think a lot of fat people are scared of talking about it because we've convinced ourselves that we don't have eating disorders and there's nothing wrong with us. We're just on a diet, right? Exactly. Exactly. You know, another thing I was thinking of as you were talking is I, my first job as a dietitian before I came into this, this work, um, was at a bariatric surgery clinic. Um, and I just have this memory of, you know, I mean, there were several people who had, I mean, had eating disorders like after surgery or whatever. Um, and there was this one that I'm thinking of in particular. And I just remember the way that like one of the other professionals that I was working with kind of spoke about this patient and they were kind of like, I don't even know, like the word I'm thinking of is like, they were kind of scoffing. They were kind of just like, like kind of like, Oh, like they took it too far. Like they're what I like, and just kind of like demeaning and like, just like kind of being like, Oh yeah, she just like, whatever. Just like looking down upon this person who literally like took like all the rules that we had like driven into her about what she should be doing after surgery and like how important it was that she did that perfectly. And then she did that and she, you know, maybe did it so extremely that like it became whatever, it became an eating disorder. But it's like, she literally just like took the rules and, and followed them. And then when it became an eating disorder, it was kind of like, Oh wow. Like what was she thinking? Like that was dumb, you know? Yeah. And it's like, how do you separate for me as someone with an eating disorder background, it's really hard for me to I understand there's gray areas between diets and eating disorders right but for me a diet is just a precursor to an eating disorder that's how I see it because that's how it started for so so many of us and if we actually looked at eating disorders in that way um and like if we actually took it on board that they they're not something that you just do for a bit and then you get off and you go back to normal eating um it's something that is really detrimental in terms of your development mentally physically emotionally I don't know it's just this idea that diets are just like normal to me is so crazy as someone who's had an eating disorder yeah absolutely oh my gosh yeah so I want to get back and ask you um a question again about like the fat and eating series and I I guess I'm curious like your thoughts on like the ways in which like the discrimination and like the weight stigma um, in our society impact like the actual like choices that people in larger bodies make regarding food when they're in public. Sure. Um, so for a lot of larger body people, it just means that they don't eat in public. Um, mm. it, it's, it's kind of twofold. So um, when you're talking about how people 
larger body people feel in public eating. Obviously, I am not like the spokesperson for all five people in the world. So everybody has a really different experience with that. But in terms of like my community and what I've heard and my experience, um, it's this idea that you're like hyper vigilant, that you always feel like people are looking at what choices you've made. Um, or looking in your grocery cart or looking at what you've chosen at a restaurant. Um, and it's kind of this idea that larger body people will deprive themselves of food and of things that they actually want to eat in terms of kind of making sure that they feel safe in their environment. Um, now, this doesn't go for all people. And certainly for me, now that I'm out, I just eat what I want and I don't really care. But to say that it's not an issue or something that fat people feel like they're being judged on would be super naive. Cause I, I still have moments when I know it's when you're in a marginalized body and you are part of an oppressed group, it's kind of like somebody doesn't even need to say something. It's kind of like, you know, when they're looking at you, right. And to other people, it may seem like they're really, for for thinner people or people with more privilege, they may be super oblivious to it. But fat people know when they're being looked at and fat people know when they're being treated differently. Mm -hmm. Um, I listened to a podcast recently with this really great fat activist who said that she loves, um, not that she loves being fat, but she thinks that, or she might love being fat. She didn't really talk about that. But what she appreciates about being her size is that people she cuts through the bullshit of who, of who people are really quickly, right? Mm-hmm. So once you reach a certain size in society um, and once you are deemed fat, suddenly people's true colours are really seen. When people don't find you attractive or worthy, um, they will treat you very differently. Um, and that's the same as eating in public, right? Like you understand when people are looking at you or judging you in a way that is directly related to the size of your body. And with fat and eating, the reason, part of the reason I wanted to do that series is to kind of come out of the shadows a bit of thinking that, that fat people have to like not desire food that makes them feel good or makes them feel comforted or makes them feel happy simply because we're told that, we should not eat at all until we're a certain size. Cause that's pretty much what we get told. Like, yeah, people say like, Oh, you should lose weight healthily. And like, you know, everything in moderation, but like what they literally really mean is like, we don't want you to be fat, stop being fat. And then when you're not fat, you can eat what you want yeah. because there's no restrictions. I, I know thinner people um, at times, especially those who have had eating disorders, feels like there's a lot of societal pressure to eat certain things and other things. And that's definitely diet culture. That's definitely a part of our society. Um, but I think that there's still less links with worth and value with food than there is for larger bodied people. Um, because it kind of determines whether people see us as valuable or not. Mm. Um, And the people who are fat phobic and the people who do judge people by their body size, um, whether that be because of the way they were raised or just because they're shitty people or because they haven't really um, identified what fat phobia or diet culture is yet. Mm. Um, Part of being in a larger body, I would agree with um, the fat activist that I recently heard, um, your fat friend, she's on Instagram and uh, Twitter, um, that you know, you really see people's true colours um, because they won't treat you like a human <laughs> any longer. Um, wow. And it's, just, it's, it's a sad part of being in a larger body, uh, body is that 
you really start to understand where people's motivations for human connection come from. Um, and for some people that doesn't extend to people who they don't feel like have value. Yeah. Wow. Um, you know, another thing I was thinking of as you were, you were talking is, um, a client that I I've been working with recently who, um, basically, I mean, I do intuitive eating coaching when we were working together and she was just kind of realizing some of the ways in which like a lot of things were still impacting her, even though she'd done a lot of work. And we were talking about, you know, there's like this idea of like honoring your hunger and like really focusing on like, okay, like let's make sure that like, you know, when you're hungry, you're, you have things available and you're, you're trying to honor that as often as you can. Um, if you know, if you got feels important to you. Um, and anyway, regardless, she, she like noticed that like, she literally had been like, you're saying like avoiding eating in front of people. So then she would get really, really hungry. And then when she was finally alone, like she would eat a lot because she hadn't, you know, she had been kind of ignoring her hunger cues for a very long time. So it was like, just incredible the work that I did with her, like once she, I don't know, was able to try and, um, you know, honor the hunger a little bit better, um, how much better she felt physically and mentally and all the things. But also it makes me think of the fact that, you know, this intuitive eating journey is a privilege. And like that, uh -huh. that client that I worked with, like had bigger hurdles to overcome than other people, because it's not like, Oh, just honor your hunger. Cause it's like, also like you might get like shamed or you might feel, you know, whatever you might feel, um, discriminated against or whatever. Um, for a hundred percent. Yeah. I think intuitive eating really has like such, um, a long way to go in what we recognize is like, and not a fix all for everyone either. Um, intuitive eating is such a great tool and something that has personally helped me in my recovery. Um, but even if we look at it, like you said, from a weight discrimination point, or even if you look at it from like a poverty socioeconomic point, like people may not eat a lot because they literally don't have the money to buy food. Um, so they can't honor their hunger when they're hungry. They can't make choices that is actually what their body feels like being fueled with because they have limited resources in that aspect. Um, and also like it plays out differently in different cultural scenarios in terms of people's heritage and race and how that plays into, um, their relationships with food and family and, um, relationships and all of those fun things. So yeah. I think that, I think that what is difficult with larger body people in terms of my experience and my personal experience alone is that there's kind of this idea that once you move into body positivity and intuitive eating and freedom around food and diet culture, um, that if you free yourself from the culture, you feel freer. Um, and that might be true with some people with a lot of privilege, but for people who have different levels of oppression or marginalized bodies, um, there's certain barriers that cannot be removed because they're held up structurally by our society <laughs> so it's all well and good to say you know oh you know and diet culture and let's all be positive about our bodies but like that's why the true roots of body positivity is, are important to me because it's about fighting about it's about fighting those you know socially structures that oppress marginalized bodies not just let's individually feel good about our bodies but let's like break down the structures and things that exist that make people literally oppressed because of the way they look or because of the access they have or because the way their body moves or because of, um, yeah, just so many of the parts of different groups that I may not be a part of, but are important in marginalization. So yeah, it's, 
it's a difficult conversation because as much as I want people to be on their own independent road, I think what a lot of people with privilege forget is that for marginalised people, there's only so far we can go internally. Um, and then when we step outside of our house, it doesn't matter how we feel about ourselves because other people treat us really awfully. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Whereas the people with privilege, again, it's, it's a privilege to be able to just do your own internal work and then like be set free and go out into the world and whatever, you're good. Um, yeah, I hear mm-hmm. what you're saying there. So um so i'd like to kind of wrap up a bit and i'm uh curious to hear um i don't know any last thoughts on you know maybe what hmm what i want to ask you i mean i guess just like last thoughts on like fat and eating and like how people can um i don't know how people can like kind of normalize this or like what role can people play um, to fight back against the way that, you know, that's portrayed currently. Sure. Um, so it kind of be twofold. I suppose if you're a thin person or if you're someone with privilege that's an ally to the um, fat community or large-bodied community, yeah. um, I would just say that make sure that you're reading and learning from fat people about their experiences, yeah. um, support them in their journey and don't really question what their lived experience is because that can be really... Um, dehumanizing and just something that we experience on a day-to-day basis anyway Uh, but in terms of fat and eating from like even from like a nutritionist dietitian kind of more professional sense it's probably about like holding more space in terms of understanding that fat people and their experience with food um, is completely different than the narrative that we're told a in society but also that any assumptions you make about fat people and the food that they eat or they don't eat um, is equally as damaging um, to their progress in terms of recovery or intuitive eating or just creating like healthy relationships for them around food. Um, It's really important to treat larger bodied people the same as you would treat a thinner bodied patient, but also understanding that there may be different tools and compassion that you need to bring to that conversation that is different. Mm and kind of understanding from a socio, like from a social media standpoint that mm-hmm. all of the content that you consume, if you're consuming like 95% of content by thin people mm-hmm. um, and or, or people with, you know, bodies that are privileged, so people who are not in the disability community or people of colour, um, kind of expand your horizons a bit, you know. If you're just following people who look like you and act like you and talk like you and eat like you, um you're not really experiencing like the colors of the world and the ability to see the beauty in all different cultures and groups that exist um and it's also kind of limiting your progression as in free from diet culture because if you think that your individual privilege experience is like the common and like most important narrative that you're consuming um it's really damaging to your progress too Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Danny. And I would love to take, yeah, I would love for you to share like where people can find you. I know you mentioned your Instagram before, maybe drop it again and any other places or any resources that you have for people. Sure. So um, you can find me on all social media at I am Danny Adriana. So I am Danny Adriana is um, my handle on all social media platforms. So you can find me anywhere there. Um, I also have a Patreon, which is kind of like a subscription service that um, people can subscribe and get rewards and certain resources um, and help support my work financially, um, which is just Patreon. And then I am Danny Adriana. And then um, this summer, I'm actually coming to the US with my friend Ashley 
Movement Body Image Therapist, um, and we're bringing our Body Reconnect Tour, which is like a six-city tour this fall, this October, to the U.S. in L.A., Portland, Orem, Chicago, and New York. And Nashville, that's the one I always forget, Nashville. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so we're bringing a five-hour tour. Ash is doing some really fun stuff around art therapy and embodiment and, like, uh, body, image and, uh, body image stuff for your personal self. Um, and then I'm doing some work around peer advocacy and fat activism and kind of discussions around privilege. So we're bringing that tour, which you can find all the details of that on my Instagram as well. Awesome. And... Um, yeah, I'm super excited to meet up with you when you're in New York because it's not too far from me. Yay! I'm so excited. <laughs> All right, thank you again, Danny. <laughs> All right, guys, that is a wrap on this week's episode. Definitely go ahead and check out Danny on Instagram. Her handle is I am Danny Adriana. And like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, if you're a health professional listening to this and you're interested in the course that I'm releasing on intuitive eating and health at every size for health professionals, check out the link in my Instagram bio. Um, if you don't know my Instagram, it's at the intuitive underscore RD, and you'll be able to pre-order that and get $10 off the full price if you purchase it before it releases, which is on August 18th. All right, guys, that's it for this week. I will be checking in soon. Thank you.